welcome back folks this is isaac from gaming with sidekicks and today we're gonna have a special treat for you this is a combined podcast episode that i had the opportunity to record with our friends over at one board family and the family gamers uh, one board family this was ryan who uh, is one of their guys over there had a chance to kind of talk to him about his favorite games of the year along with uh, both Anitra and Andrew over at the Family Gamers and along with myself we did our top five games of 2020. So you have a chance to listen to that, hear the games we really enjoyed playing, what we liked about them and where they fell on our list. We also highlighted uh, a unique take in there and talked about our most disappointing game of 2020 Maybe not necessarily the worst game we played, but maybe one that didn't live up to expectations or wasn't exactly what we were expecting. Also, you want to tune in and check out their channels and websites, and they'll give the information for that at the end of the cast. So again, thank you for joining us here on our podcast. We know we've been away for a little bit, but we've uh, had various and sort of things going on with the different game game with sidekicks members here so we hope to be getting back into podcast episodes again but do make sure that you're checking out our website over at gameofsidekicks.com along with all of our different social media platforms that you can check out and see any of our uh, instagram or facebook or community group over on facebook and keep an eye as we are currently doing a giveaway with 25th century games for a couple of their titles as well so thanks for listening guys we really appreciate it this was episode 27 best of 2020 hello and welcome to the one board family gamers with sidekicks podcast yeah that's what we're calling this thing (laughs) we have uh, a bunch of our favorite people on the line this week we are Going to do like a little best games of 2020 or, or really favorite games of 2020 yeah, kind of roundtable round discussion. Table thing. Right. So we have uh, with us, we have Ryan Gutowski from One Board Family. Hello, Smith family. Hello. And we have Isaac Villa, the resident base from Gaming with Sidekicks. <laughs> I mean, Ryan's kind of got me beat here, it sounds I, like. I, I feel know. like he's he's competing with it here. You guys are making me feel like a counter. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we would do good in a harmony uh, quartet for the four of us here. That would work out. All right. All right. I'll apologize in advance. It'll be great. <laughs> so, <was> great. <laughs> so what we decided to do is we each picked... Our top five games of 2020. Well, you and I, and I collaborated. Anitra and I collaborated. So this is kind of like the Family Gamers top five, the One Board Family top five, the Gaming with Sidekicks top five, or the One Board Family Gamers with Sidekicks top five times three. However you want to you know, name this thing, whatever it is. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about. Perfect. And just to mix it up, we also threw in our most disappointing release of the year. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is a tricky thing because it does not mean bad board game. I don't know about that. It might. It might. It might. Depending on the person. It, it just yeah. doesn't definitively mean bad board game. I think that's yeah, yeah. It's really just about the disconnect between expectations and reality. Right. That's the yep. most disappointing board game of the year. So I guess we'll go like five to two. And then before we give our number ones, we'll, we'll hit the disappointing one. And then we'll give our number ones. And then we'll be done. How's that sound? Sounds good. I like yeah. it. All right. I like it. All right. So Anitra, you are the lady in the room. <laughs> 
So uh, why don't you give our number five game of 2020? Our number five game of 2020 has got to be Abandon All Artichokes from Game Right. This game is great. Okay. Have you guys played Abandon All Artichokes? I've seen I it, not. but I haven't played it. It oh. is a deck I've seen you guys post game. it. Yeah, Instead so, of a deck building game. Yeah, so you start this game with 10 artichokes in your hand. Five in your hand. Mm-hmm. Five oh, I'm sorry, ten, art- 10 artichokes in your deck, five in your hand. And your goal, the, your stated, the stated goal of the game is have a hand of five cards that has no artichokes in it. And okay. so essentially the gameplay is play a card. What is it? Play, play a card, pick you, up a card, or pick up a pull, card, play a card. You pick up a card from the central like garden market row, and then you can play as many cards as you can play from your hand. And then you discard whatever's left over and draw a new hand of five cards. So the deck of garden cards, none of them are artichokes. But there are all sorts of different things that allow you to discard cards or trade cards or whatever. And so unlike a deck builder where you're building up your deck to become more powerful, Mm -hmm. you're kind of building your deck, but you're really building your deck in order to cull cards at the same time. Or just trying to gather a massive amount of cards and hope that the odds work in your favor that you've drowned out the artichoke so you get a hand of five cards that has no artichokes in it. Yeah, it cracks me up that every time we play this as a family, our oldest only goes for the cards that let you get rid of artichokes. So she Mm -hmm. ends up with a deck of like three or four cards. She picks it up. (laughs) She plays a couple cards. She puts it back down. She picks it up, she plays a couple cards, she puts it back down until she can actually manage to get rid of every single artichoke because there's no yeah. deck left to draw from. What's the uh, player count? Uh, maybe up to five, I think. I think you can play it up to five. That seems okay. great. I'm not gonna it sounds like it moves pretty fast, game, too. But I've never beaten her at it. I've beaten ah. her. <laughs> uh, ah, it, it, so she's it a does. big fan. I mean, it's a game right game, right? So it does move pretty quickly. It's very cute. It's Family friendly. It's got a weight of 1.7 on BGG. It's, BGG says it goes up to four players. It says two to four players. You could probably give everybody slightly fewer cards to start with to have it go up to five instead. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't see why you wouldn't be able to do that. Start with eight artichokes instead of 10. Yeah, that works out because yep. there'd be 40 in the deck. Yep. So that's our nice. number five, Abandon All Artichokes from Game Right. So we get a lot of play with our with our individual families, right? I think that's kind of a good front end you guys what's the age ranges for everybody like i have a i have a 16 almost 17 year old and 14 year old at home that i'm playing with yeah our our kids are around that i've got a 12 15 and 17 year old we have uh we have the youngins yeah we have the youngins we have a 12 9 and a 6 gotcha so it definitely affects you know what titles may find their places onto our individual list oh absolutely yeah and you know i think we've talked about it probably offline that our list we expect the family gamers list is going to skew a little bit simpler just because of that exact thing Mm -hmm. you know we've got gamers in those kids our nine-year-old especially is a pretty big gamer yes but the ability to rock that level of complexity that's needed to tackle the you know the kind of the classic best of list kind of stuff uh is just not there with our kids yet yeah yeah it will be before you know it that's the crazy part <laughs> we're getting oh, yeah. forward to it <laughs> and we started this podcast when the 12 year old was seven so <laughs> yeah. oh, wow, wow. Yeah. so you get to see the evolution for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well especially Definitely. with the nine-year-old because he's the one who's way more into it they all play games but the nine-year-old's the one who's just obsessed yeah, yeah. Totally get that. My son is the one who will always play a game with me. My daughter, it takes a little bit of coaxing. Uh, my wife will often play. You know, we sat down and played 12 days today, right? We can get them to play. It's just a matter of 
getting the right game in the right time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan, you want to take the uh, the next one, sir? Yeah, I'll take uh, my number five game is Rallyman GT. So I did not know I wanted this game until I played it on Board Game Arena. I'm sitting around one night and uh, Rick and Bob, who are also writers at One Board Family, they invited me to Rallyman GT on BGA and they said, hey, you got to check this out. I personally love Downforce. Uh, I run a Formula D league uh, at my work that has gone three and a half years now up until uh, the pandemic. And so um, wow. we would actually take our lunch times to play Formula D. Whole, the concept <laughs> yeah, of is. having any kind of board game league. I know. I know. It's so out of the ordinary right now. Um, so Rallyman GT, I was like, it's another racing game, whatever. It looks cool. I played it and the risk reward, just the mechanics of the game work so well. Basically you are racing your rally cars around this track. I love the fact that the tracks are shapeable by whoever's setting it up uh, in the book. I think there's like 10 tracks in the book and it says, you know, easier, more advanced stuff like that, but you can just build your own track out of the pieces that are in there. And that's what I think I love formula D I've got uh, three different track sets. And then with Downforce, I've got all the track sets because I love Downforce and it's a family favorite. But for Rallyman GT, I can build whatever I can imagine. And it's really fun to build out this track, to race it, to push your luck, to just wreck in a bad corner, to just try to laugh it off and and get back in the pack. Uh, Rallyman GT is fantastic. Played it digitally for a couple weeks. And then when we went on a little miniature weekend vacation, went down to Florida for a couple days just to see a friend of ours. Uh, I had to have it. So I picked it up and played it like three times that weekend. Nice. So tell me a little bit about Rallyman. So Anitra, you've played it on BGA, right? No, no? I saw it on BGA. Okay, I thought, I I thought you had. So I, obviously I'm familiar with Downforce. We've played a lot of Downforce. Yeah. What's different about Rallyman GT? I assume with, with Rallyman GT, your primary goal is to place first and not yeah. So bidding mechanic. It's a yeah. It's a dice. It's a dice system. So there are dice. There is a die for each gear. Okay. So you got first, second, third, fourth. And so let's say I was in third gear. I could either break and go down. I can either go down gears uh, one at a time, or I can hard break and go down to first gear. And then build back up. And so it's the system of planning your movement by putting out the different gear dice on the track. And then you have two choices. You could either roll the dice one by one, which whenever you feel like stopping, you stop. And that's just where your car lands. Or you can do a thing called flat out, which you take all the dice that you've placed. You take them all up into your hand. You roll them all at once. If you wind up with three or more, uh, caution symbols you wreck based on the gear that you were in so it's a really pushing your luck when you do that flat out i mean it just it's really thrilling like for a game like this sounds like it i might have to uh hook up with you guys on bga and check it out oh yeah yeah bob and i could definitely sit down and and show you the game it's it's a lot of bga taught me how to play the game 
And then when I got it in my hands, I was so excited about it. And I'll just sit there and build out a track and be like, okay, this is exactly what I want. Sounds good. All right. Number five from One Board Family is Rallyman GT. All right, Isaac, it's your turn. Yes, yes. Um, So number five for me is a a little game I got to preview at PAX last year, last board game convention that any of us managed to go to uh, in 2019. (laughs) That was from uh, Leader Games, and that is Fort. Uh, Fort is the deck builder that I didn't realize I needed. There's just something different about that game. I've played and we've all played a numerous amount of deck builders, but to like, it's just something special about the way that game lays itself out and, um, playing the cards, having the cards actually go into that yard area where people can steal them from you on your turn. I really like that mechanic because it really, of all, all the games I've played in the recent past with, uh, phone addicted players we know those players the people who can't put their phone down they're playing the game like you got to be paying attention in between rounds in this game like there is no oh good i got four turns and i love that in a game Uh, i love the i love the theme i love the you know building up your little four uh the little bits with the pizza and the uh (laughs) and the and the goods those are so good right and they're simple Mm -hmm. but they're just they're just so cool and recessed boards are so nice. They're so nice. They are. I think <laughs> the first time I ever saw one of those was with Scythe, maybe. And I am yeah. I'm, like, yep. if I open a board game box and there's a recess board in it, I'm immediately excited. Mm, yeah. yeah, it's just it's such a like it's a top to bottom. It's a very very well made game in a small box. It plays so easy. It's smooth. It, it's got a really decent price point, too. I think it's an under $30 game, and you're yeah. getting a lot in that box for what you're getting. So got to go with Fort for my for my number five. Yeah, I like that yard mechanic, too. I find that when I've played Fort, it makes me think really hard about which cards I'm going to play. Because if it's a card that's you know not real useful to me right now, but would be really helpful to one of my opponents, I'm like, ah, could I find a way to use it <laughs> so they can't take it? Yeah, yeah, I love that. I I love the anything that that gets away from the solitaire aspect of gaming, right? Anything that means yes. I'm going to interact with people at the table um, in any fashion, right, is going to be a lot of fun. And this this one definitely puts that in there. Gets the little little bit of that jab right to your opponents without being incredibly like aggressive could destroy their game kind of jabs Mm -hmm. yeah especially in a deck builder i mean one of the biggest reasons why i could never get into a game like dominion was because you're basically playing a game next to someone else yeah and i just if i'm gonna be playing a board game like i'd rather be playing with people and if i'm just gonna be playing like near someone i'll just go play a video game kind of thing you know what i mean so (laughs) sure um, i i'm totally with you on fort that was a game i pre-ordered for my, my flgs because it was, you know, middle of the pandemic. I think it came out in August for FLGSs. People were pre-ordering it on the Leader Game site. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm friends with Marshall. And so I'm talking to him. And I'm like, man, everybody's getting their games. And they haven't made it to the, you know, to the stores yet. And it was killing me. And then finally came in. So I was able to pick that one up. But Fort was one of those games where when you say deck builder, it's like, yes, I understand deck builders. But then this puts enough of a twist that it doesn't feel like a deck builder. Yeah. And so yep. when I told, because Aaron loves deck builders, she loves Clank. We own a lot of the Clank series because she loves deck builders. She loves Quest for Eldorado. And so when I put this in front of her, I was like, I don't know if she's going to enjoy this. Uh, the first game was a little rocky. Second game, she 
she knocked it out of the park and it was one of our <laughs> it was one of those games that saturday morning sunday morning we brew a pot of coffee and we sit there and play fort and so it and it's also the game that i refuse to give to the other two guys on one board family <laughs> um because the the original agreement when we got in the review copy was to uh, hand it off to Rick next, um, and I chose not to, and I told him I was choosing not to. So. <laughs> well, and, and it's so cool to you mentioned Clank too. It's it's so cool that a um, a mechanic like deck building that we all just assume is like, ugh, okay, that's been said and done. Still has room for new things that are fun and different. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, ours. You know, Abandon All Artichokes is technically a deck builder, and it's completely yeah, different yeah. from Clank or from Fort. So. Yep, for sure. And the art's amazing, which is another big part of that. It's, mm-hmm. it's hilarious. I love it. I just giggle my way through games of Fort, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump up from number five to number four. Uh, we'll keep going around in a circle. So for us, our number four game is a game that we actually got three weeks ago. Maybe something uh, like that. About then, but we first played it over a year That's ago true. before it was released. It, this is actually another release from Game Right. This is Shifting Stones. Have you guys seen hmm. this game? I have not. Okay. I have not. Okay. So Shifting Stones, the concept is very simple. And again, you know, we tend to skew a little bit more casual, a little bit younger because we're playing with younger players. So if you imagine those puzzles where the you're nine the piece slide, sliding yeah, the, puzzle. Well, eight piece. Yeah. The sliding sure. puzzles yes. where you're trying to make a picture. Imagine that. Now you have a three by three grid of nine tiles. You draw four cards. You you can do one of two things. You can discard a card to um, swap two adjacent tiles, or you can discard a card to flip a tile over. Your goal is to orient the shared tiles such that they match a pattern that's on a card in your hand. Okay? If it matches that pattern, you reveal that card and you say, I've matched this pattern, you get those points. That's mm-hmm. the entire game. Hmm. So okay. there's... A set of three that are identical and, you know, it's like orange on one side and it's always green on the other side. And there's kind of cool, like Mayan style, almost hieroglyphic. Yeah, one set is like embossed tree and seed and another set is like horse and boat. Yeah, Yeah. stuff like that. So Hmm. there's like three of them that are the same. Right. So they're always the same. You know, you've got like a guy that says, if you flip this over, it's always going to be this other card. So there's no memory involved, you know, so the cognitive load is not super high. So (laughs) you've got a set of three and then like another set of three, another set of three and then a set of two and then one that's unique, which is the sun and the moon. And so you kind of know when those patterns come up, you're like, okay, this pattern is going to be harder because it uses that the sun moon tile. And that's the only one that I can move around and kind of do these things with. So there's a couple other things, like if you don't want to take a turn, you can draw two extra cards and stuff like that. But the meat and potatoes of the game is this really nice, quick tile adjustment kind of thing. I mean, there's not a ton of things you can do with your cards. You discard cards to move stuff or you play a card to match that pattern. And the total play card count is different at different player counts, but it's like usually at like four. The first, Once somebody has nine cards out, that triggers the end game, and then you kind of go around and finish that round or something like that. But the game is immediately understandable. We can play with my mom. We can play with your mom, who's like 78. I can't remember. My mom is 80. Oh, dang it. Anyway, Um, whatever. We can play with our six-year-old. But we can play with our six-year-old. We can play with literally anybody. And it's beautiful. It it looks great. Game right is 
I don't know how they make their games as inexpensive as they do. I've said it a million yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. So it's super low price point. I think it was on sale last week for like $12. This is a great game that you could bring to like a youth group or something like that because mm-hmm. it, it's like everybody would understand immediately how to play the game. And that's yeah. Shifting Stones from Game Right. Well, and it's got that uh, that light amount of player interaction too. Like it's kind of solo-y except other people are moving the tiles around in between your turns. So you can't set stuff up very far in advance. Right. That, that's true. And the, you know, the tiles are like, I don't know, eighth inch thick, like embossed cardboard. So they're chunky. Uh, they look great. They feel great. It's good stuff. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. So my number four is, uh, not a cheat, but it's, uh, it is actually a 2020 re-release. Smartphone Inc. is one of my top games of all time. Um, it was the one Kickstarter project that the minute I played it, I was kicking myself that I didn't back it. Um, I played the prototype probably a couple weeks after it closed, and uh, I just sat there. I was like, man, this is so good. And it just There's something about it that just clicks with me um, as far as like managing the inventory and stock. You're basically the CEO of a um, mobile empire, and uh, you're trying to sell your mobile devices uh, to different parts of the world. And Smartphone Inc. came off a Kickstarter and was Arcane Wonders and Cosmodrone Games, put it out. It arrived, I think, over the summer at some point. And uh, the version update 1.1, which is their expansion, is fantastic, too, because that that's actually new to 2020. That one's actually a two- and three-player board, which plays so good. I introduced Aaron to it when we got a copy in the fall and we played on the big board and then we bust out the 1.1 update the next weekend and we sat down and played that one with it's just basically north america and so your focused your focus is a little smaller and it's perfect for two and three players and so it's just it's such a great system it it makes you think it causes you to make some rash decisions at times and uh uh there was one game where I thought, you know what? I'm so far ahead. I can just do whatever I want with my cell phones. End up coming in third place out of five uh, because I just mismanaged my inventory and boosted the price too high, and people undercut me. And it was uh, I was kicking myself then too. So, but yeah, smartphone ink. A little bit of a cheat because it's a 2020 re-release. That's okay. To- totally me. okay with that. Yes. <laughs> I'm preemptively very okay with that. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why, I wonder why that's yeah. <laughs> So, So did you end up getting this newer version of it then? Yes. So I didn't even know it was a 2018 game um, at the time. I saw we were at Origins and the appointments to play um, Smartphone Inc. at Origins 2019, it was just solid booked up and i was like you know what i i'll because i really wanted to play that and pipeline those were the two that i didn't get to it at origins yeah Yeah. and so i just the amount of time that it would have taken the waiting i just it was one of those things i didn't get to um the art was really i i like the art i love the little translucent cubes um and when i finally sat down learned the rule book with the prototype it had come to punchboard media and we had it had been passed around punchboard media at the time um one of the prototypes right after the kickstarter ended and so yeah, it's such a good game. It, it makes you think in just the right way where it's not overwhelmingly deep, but I feel like the moment-to-moment actions, 
I've been able to teach this to newer gamers. They caught on and loved it. So I feel like it's it's good enough for entry-level gamers, but there's some advanced things with this game. Nice. Yeah, I, awesome. you know, I saw it at conventions and stuff like that. I, the, it just didn't really grab me. I don't, I don't know why that is. I mean, I'd certainly be up for checking it out sometime, especially hearing your glowing review. I, I love the game. I, and, and it's so weird because, you know, when you look at it, it's basically a map with some cubes and recessed board. Oh, recessed I mean, boards. It's, no wonder why you like it. It's re- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's just one of those things where it clicks with me. There's a puzzle to it. The steps are very clear. Like each round, there are, there are these specific, like, this is when you do this. If you have this, this is when you research. This is, and it's just, it, it's very smooth and uh, love the game. Nice. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things um, on our team. Um, JT and, and Stuart are, are big fans of it as well. Again, it's one of those that I'd love to play, just haven't you know haven't had that opportunity to. Um, we've got a pretty good game group in my town here where all of us tend to back certain things. Like if one of us is backing on Kickstarter, we place you normally or pre-pandemic we were playing every week together so that's one that's in the group but haven't had a chance to game with most of those yeah. guys so uh it'll it'll come and i'll get a chance to play it and i i'm confident that it'll they'll make its way up uh based on everything i've heard and, and and especially with what you're saying there all right number four for me um number four is thematically my least favorite animal but Ah, uh, man, there's Uh-oh. just something about the puzzly abstract nature of Calico from AEG that just, <laughs> just, I can't stop playing this game. And it is one that my wife loves and a, a good key for my wife for good games that she loves. She loves a good abstract game. She likes something puzzly that she can kind of have to think through a little bit, but not something that's just got too many steps into the puzzle that it's like, I don't want to really brain burn, you know, 20 steps into this. She wants something that's going to be a challenge. I completely uh, and, and understand Cal- where your wife is at. <laughs> and, Cal- and Calico hits that. Like I play games seat of my pants. I go, I don't really plan more than a step or two ahead. And if you try and do that in Calico, you're going to lose. You, you know, there's just something about that quilt building. And have you guys, has everybody had a chance to play this one? I haven't played it. I saw it um, at a convention, probably PAX, and just was being pulled around by kids. So they were <laughs> yeah. like, quilts, cats, whatever, mom, let's go look at this other thing. <laughs> We took a preview of it at Origins, and it was so beautiful at the time. I think Beth Sobel's the uh, artist, correct? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. so and beautiful. And Beth Beth Sobel art, to me, like that's almost a no-brainer. I'll play a game that Beth does the art for without Absolutely. even thinking about it. But there's just something about the abstract thing of this game. And as you're trying to build these quilt pieces, you have a, a set tile that's a hexagon tile that you're trying to match colors and shapes based on three points in your quilt. And there's some overlap where one of the little hexes is trying to get a certain pattern, but the other one is two and they may be touching. So you have to match them up. And there's six different colors and six different patterns and there's three combinations of each. So there's a lot of tiles. So if you want a purple in a certain pattern, there's only three of those in there in the entire bag. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you have to really think through like, well, but I could use this pattern with this color. And it's, it's definitely brain burning, you know, the cat theme for it. I'm willing to <laughs> overlook 
in the same way that I sat down and played the Isle of Cats, even though I was like, Bleh, I don't like cats. But um, <laughs> both both good cats, both good cat games. However, Calico is the one that made my top five. Highly, highly recommend this one if you're a big fan of puzzle abstract games. You will not be disappointed with this one. And I think. Very recently, I was listening to uh, Dice Tower, and I think Vassal said this was probably one of one of only one or two games in 2020 that has like legs that'll last for like five, ten years from now. People still be playing it. I think it. I think there's a reason for that, and um, it, this one's definitely one to check out. Sure. All right. I think you're speaking an interesting language on I, that one. Very much so. She just added it to your Amazon <laughs> wish list. I just want you to know. Nice. That. <laughs> I did. My, my secret Santa out there can take a look and maybe buy it for me for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So our number three is also a very new release. I think it only came out a month ago, maybe. But I love so much about this game and I did not really expect to, uh, which is Prisma Arena from Hub Games. Mm-hmm. So again, this might skew a little bit younger than you guys are usually looking at, but the fact that you've got an arena fighting game that's all about fighting away despair and just training up together and everybody levels up. It's just that if you're better at it, you level up faster. Everything about this game is great. And then there are the stickers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the thing that really like, okay. Foundationally, Prisma Arena is an arena fighting game where you are moving and attacking and comboing your moves and attacks together to defeat your opponents. Like, that's the foundation of the game at at its core. But the thing that elevates this game is that it's essentially a legacy game in the sense that your characters are leveling up. And when you open the box, they even have little lockers that you can, like, hang up your character's clean, sick clothes in their little locker and your characters grow over time and you get extra powers called prisma powers that you can then turn around mm-hmm. and leverage in your combat but over the whole thing there's this very like meta game concept that it's essentially i what i call it always is the x-men danger room right it's mm. this idea <laughs> where like you're fighting and you're not pulling punches but at the end of the day everybody is fighting to get better Right. And, and the idea that you could sit there next to your son or daughter or whatever, and you're like, Oh, look at this cool prism power that I just unlocked. And oh, you know, this is how I'm going to change up my character's armor for next time. And that metagame aspect of that, it has to start with a solid foundational game. But if it was just that solid foundational game, like it would be fine. But all of that extra stuff really just kind of builds on top of a really, really good foundation and makes it one of the best games of the year for us. And it's a lot simpler than other arena fighting games I've seen. Like, mm-hmm. our gamer child likes, it's not Beyblades, it's one of those other ones. Bakugan, I think. Bakugan, I don't know. Bakugan, All, all yeah. of these other ones, I see them and like, every single thing you buy is has different powers. And I have just, it's always felt like so much investment yeah. for so little reward that I just don't want to play them. And Prisma Arena is completely the opposite of that while still being an arena fighting game. The rules were really simple to learn. There's not a ton you can do early on, 
but that's okay because they also have some leveling mechanisms if somebody who's a higher level is playing a lower level that brings you back down to be on more or less equal footing. Yeah, I love Prisma Arena. Just a, a quick note, Prisma Arena is in my top 10 for the year that's going to go up on One Board Family. I don't have younger kids. All my kids are teenagers. So I don't know how accessible it is to younger kids. When Aaron and I actually played it, we the first time we sat down with it, we were we were kind of conflicted. The game was fantastic, but we also weren't sure totally what the age range should be mm-hmm. because it felt a little more advanced than a kid's game, but the style and artwork and everything pointed to, hey, an eight to ten year old would love this game. It like yes, cl- checks all do. those boxes. Yeah. And <laughs> see, so that for me, I'm sitting there saying, would my eight to ten year old, I think Kendall, my youngest one, is the one who catches on and beats the crap out of us regularly <laughs> in board games. But at eight, would Josiah or Emily have played it? I don't know, you know? So, It was one of those things where when I saw you guys posting about it, that your kids were playing it, I was like, okay, maybe it is for that age range. And I just, I didn't connect it the first time I played for that age range. Hub Games advertises it as 10 plus, but I would really say that 8 plus is about right. Our six-year-old has tried to play and can't really handle it. You you pretty Um, much, like, reading is kind of a core competency. Yes. It, yes, it is. It is. And well, reading so, and the skills that go along with it, being able to look a couple of steps ahead. Yeah, the, yeah, the sequencing. But <laughs> they do a really good job because the way that you identify acceptable combos is through symbology. It's not correct. Yeah, creating some other kind of framework. Yeah, it's just stuff. oh, I have I have a card with an X and it has a line down to an O, so I can play a card with an right, O on it. Right. Yeah, so they do a really good job with that. I was thinking the strategy of it, like when a character gets knocked out. If they haven't been played that round, what's the best time to come back in that type of strategy? It feels like more of an adult game, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, sure. and that's one of the things that why, why Prisma Arena really connected with Aaron and I, and we both love playing it. And so when I leveled up my first time and I looked at her and I was like, you're one checkbox behind me, but I feel great. I leveled up this time, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and just kind of flaunting your new armor as you get back into the arena. Pretty yeah, much. They do a really good job with capturing that sense of accomplishment outside of the actual formal game. And that's, I think something that was just so unique to us was I mean we've played Pandemic Legacy and it's fine you know we we played My City and My City we have a lot of fun with but there's something different about this this is almost like a combination of like a legacy game and like opening a box of magic cards kind of I, there's some weird I don't I don't know exactly I can't put my finger yeah. on it but there's something really really cool about that meta game that we really really enjoyed well and I will say as parents with younger children those little cling stickers to customize not just your uniform but like your hair and your accessories and all that stuff yes i've heard other people be like i don't know man they might get unsticky over time and i'm like let me tell you how many times my children have changed the stickers on their (laughs) prisma arena characters and they are still sticky nice it's well made and well thought out that these are going to get used over and over and over again. What's what I was going to ask you? Are you talking like sticker stickers or like window clings? Is that they're they're closer to w- like a window cling kind of material? Okay, they're kind so of they're like so they're very reusable. Yeah, they, yes. they're designed to be. Reusable. Yeah, it's a thick vinyl. Nice. So if it's a legacy type style game, and I have not played this, what happens when uh, you want to drop a kid in or out? Does it have something to 
to kind of have that ease of add or subtract a player. So keep in mind, this is an arena fighting game. So you can have two players fighting, you can have three players fighting, you can have four players fighting. And it's either team or or free for all. Yeah, it's so there's no gotcha. there's no central narrative that's progressing. So it's more of a like, level like a legacy game. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha. It's more of the leveling. So it's more of a, a level of a level up game. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. So my number three is Santa Monica. This is an AG game. This was a real surprise to us. So Santa Monica, the art style of it really connected with me. I love it has this where's Waldo feel where every one of the beach tiles, you kind of look at it and you're like, oh, that's pretty cute. And then you might see a little person in it or a little detail in the shop or something that just stands out. It is very well made. Um, it is from the same designer who did Cat Lady, uh, Josh, Josh Wood. So Santa Monica, you are building the Santa Monica beach and pier. Uh, you're basically building out a boardwalk and, uh, there, the currency in the game is you're able to pull from the front. Uh, it's a two tiered tableau where you pull from the front and then the next card slides into place and a new card rolls out, uh, into the tableau. And so when you're pulling those cards, it's so tough because you know you want that second card back, but you don't really want to pay for it. Um, you're using sand dollars as payment methods to do a couple different things there. It's a variable setup where you have uh, slightly different rules and slightly different values to things. You're moving these little, really well-made screen-printed meeples on the board where you have a visitor, uh, you have a uh, tourist. And so the tourist can go and go onto the beach volleyball court. And uh, then you have another one who the VIP gets, uh, gives special points for going to specific things that are, uh, that are on your main board. Santa Monica is so well-made and it hit just at the right time. I think it was July or August we saw it at our local uh, local game store, Moxie. We saw it sitting there, and I said, I love Josh Wood's stuff. Love the artwork. Let me go ahead and pick this up. Aaron was like, yep, we got the money. Let's do it. We picked it up. We played it that night. We played it the next day. We played it the next day. We played it seven times in the first 10 <laughs> days that we owned the game. It, wow, was, awesome. it was originally frustrating for Aaron because... I won the first couple of games just because I I went with a specific, like, okay, I know this needs to go here and I'm going to wait for this piece and I'll leave a gap here. Um, But then as soon as it clicked for her, she was beating me constantly. And so uh, this is this is a really cool game, and I think this is one of the games that really touches into what quarantine looked like for our family, sitting there at night together, talking and building out this beach that we couldn't even go to Santa Monica. Yeah. Santa Monica is a very, very cool game and I'm glad it's in our library. Yeah. That's uh, it. It's definitely one I've seen, right. Familiar with had no idea what it was about. And so now hearing you describe it through, I'm going to add it to my Amazon wish list here probably as well, because frankly, People keep asking me what I want, and all I really want is board games for Christmas. So <laughs> that's a great Christmas present too. <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll add it to my list here. Rallyman's on there too. But that was already on there. Uh, I need to play it before I play Bob in yeah, yeah. Arena because I know he's played it six million. Oh, you times know it. on there. So <laughs> that sounds about right. He's beta testing Draftosaurus mm-hmm. right now while we speak. So ah, oh, oh, perfect. I mean, alpha game. alpha testing. So yeah, right. 
Yeah, and and Res Arcana is going to be on there too. Uh, there's some good stuff on there. Um, all right, we are up to number three. Um, for me, number three is I feel like it's going to be on at least one other person's list here, probably a little higher. But this is thematically one of the best IP games I've played that was a solid game and not just a game built around an IP. And that's uh, Pan Am from mm-hmm. Funko Games. Pan Am didn't need to be Pan Am. It could be Planes to Ride, the Ticket to Ride plane <laughs> yeah, version. Yeah, it totally could. I mean, could. it could. It, <laughs> but but adding in the Pan Am theme and history and richness of that is so good. Pan Am looks on the board like, oh, okay, I'm going to play a version of Ticket to Ride and plays nothing like that at all. Uh, it is one of the, the more fun uh, games I played this year. When we got Pan Am and started playing it, uh, Stuart, who's one of our four over game of sidekicks, his wife works in higher ups in the aviation world, like travels around the world, does a lot of stuff with a bunch of different airplane companies. When we played this with her and he played it with her first, she was so geeked out about it. And there's so many aspects that they made right just based on aviation, the terminology, the the way they described um, the way the game plays out in game. She's like, oh, that totally makes sense because you wouldn't, you know, you'd have to sell this if you were a smaller company. And that's how Pan Am made their money. And this, and she's just like geeking out over, over all the aspects of it. But outside of um, <laughs> how well it hits for aviation nerds, um, it's also one of the smoother games I've played this year. Yeah, it's um, also I just love... a really good game. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just it just plays so so well round around. Um, I love the varying round aspects of the seven. Um, I love the push your luck aspect of do I sell? Do I buy? When do I build this plane? When do I not? And aesthetically, the game looks like it came right off of the pages of Mad Men advertisement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it is such a great, you know, 50s, early 60s throwback. Uh, the color scheme, even the little trays look like something that they would serve your meal on the Pan Am you know, <laughs> air flight on. So it's just um, top to bottom, it's just beautifully made game from Funko Games and, uh, and my number three for this year. All right. Well, if we're going to talk thematic games, yeah. I think we can get into our number two. Our number two. So um, this is a game. It's kind of in a series. I, I wouldn't call this cheating. It's not cheating like a re-release cheating. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, ouch. So this is a- Ryan, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this, is, this is our version of cheating on this list. Uh, it's a game that was released in a series. I think it is the best part of this series. I absolutely 100% love Unmatched Cobble and Fox. Yes. This set is so good. I mean, I Unmatched played, in general is great. Yeah. I first played Unmatched at Dice Tower Con 2019 and I came home and I, I kind of I was talking to Anitra about it and I was talking about how great this is and and you know, you do all this stuff and it's so quick and Star Wars Epic Tools and blah blah blah. She's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm not interested." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and then honestly i think it, it kind of fell off the radar for us at that point because anitra was just like not into it and i clearly was doing a bad job of selling it but we got it in for review we got cobble and fog in for review and i was like this is good because it's got sherlock holmes in it and she digs sherlock and you know invisible man and, and all this stuff and i played with asher 
And he, we finish, and he's like, "Dad, can we play?" Again? Yeah. Like, that's yes. a good sign. <laughs> yes. And then the next morning, Asher says to me, "Dad, can we can we play again?" I'm like, "Dude, I gotta go to work. <laughs> Maybe you can play with mom." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, the rest is history. I really do think that Cobble and Fog is the best set out of yes. all the sets that they've yeah. released. Although I am super excited for the um, the, the Little Red Riding Hood Beowulf yeah. set. Just a heads up. Little Red is one of my favorite players to play as. She has a really? she has this basket system that at the time, and I don't know that anything massively changed, but the basket system is that cards have a um, have a certain iconography to it, and it does specific things as to what is at the top of your discard pile. So depending in oh, the icon cool. that is at the top of your discard pile is what's in your basket. Holy mackerel, dude. It is. Oh. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm in. And I know the um, the board has like doors. Yes. You can shut yes. doors behind you as you're, as you're running away. That oh, looks that's great. Cool. But we're talking about Cobble and Fog right now. Oh, we got, we got Buffy in also. I haven't had a chance to play that yet. But um, we like Cobble and Fog so much, we went out and started buying all of the other sets. Yes. Uh, it's just, it's so excellent. I, I love playing as the Invisible Man. I love the way the mist works, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the way that you can move around the board. I love like that kind of like 1800 London aesthetic. Yeah. I mean, I think it fits unmatched super well anyway, but also I love that aesthetic in a game. <laughs> and it just like, it hit everything for me. It got Anitra into it, which makes me even more thankful. Well, I and just, it should be so telling. Good. It's um, so good. Now that I've tried the Buffy set, I got to say that Buffy as a character is the most like how I usually play fighting games, which is just hit things hard over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from Cobble and Fog, I really, really, really enjoy playing as Sherlock Holmes, who has to be a little bit tricky yeah. and try to predict what it's, what's in his opponent's hand. And if you can predict stuff successfully, then you massively I hate that opponent. when Erin does that to me. She does that to me <laughs> on the regular. Like it, oh man. It feels so satisfying. It really is. I love it. So, so yeah, unmatched in general, but specifically Cobble and Fog yeah. made our number two for the year because it's just everything about it. We keep coming back to it even over the other unmatched sets, and say, we want to play this yep. one again. Yep. My number two is going to be a uh, short conversation because it is also Pan Am. Uh, my number one will be an even shorter conversation because you just heard <laughs> about it. Um, Pan Am is, uh, oh man, Pan Am's good. I taught my mom how to play Pan Am over the Thanksgiving holiday. She sat there saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing? Why would I do that? And then she ended up like coming within two points of beating me. <laughs> and so I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? All right. It is, it is such a smooth game. It's beautiful. The components are great. I don't know. It's a light game, but it has some depth there. And actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, over Thanksgiving, this is the first time this had ever happened. Uh, the stock market in Pan Am was so low, it fluctuated between 2 and $3 for stock the whole time. The very, oh, I know it's crazy. Just, just the variable setup of pulling cards randomly out of that, out of those mission cards or year cards. So I s- set them up. It fluctuated the whole game. Last round, there is a, se- uh, there's a, the seventh stage of the game. There is a card that 
pulls the stock price all the way up to the top, which is, I think, $11. Yeah, yep. $12, and, and $11. You, yeah. and you have to sell everything to Pan Am. It's, so, yes. And so <laughs> that's the card that we pulled. So Oh, no. So we we sit there, and my sister-in-law is sitting there. She's like, do I do I wait just another minute? I'm just going to wait a minute, because if it goes up to five or six, it's not that bad. I sat there. I was like, I'll just buy as much as I can, but I'll leave a little money back. It went all the way. It skyrocketed in the last round, and we just sat there not knowing what to do. But it was <laughs> it was still fantastic to play. It was so good. So. Great game. Yep. Yeah. Good stuff. What do you got, Isaac? We are at number two. I bounced one and two back and forth on my list because one I played a lot recently, and one I played a lot uh, more towards the beginning of the year. Both are heavier games, both from the same company. Um, I have to go with number two as my re-implementation, re implementation, um, re republish, yeah. re release, thank you, of a, um, of a very popular game from 2014, and that is Rococo Deluxe Edition from Eagle Griffin Games. I did not play Rococo the first time. When it first came out, it was actually my first year at Origins. In 2014, uh, first like was there for the whole like more than just a Sunday family day. We went in 2013. And I remember being there that year, seeing the pictures of the woman on the cover, and knowing and seeing oh, what is this game? It's all over the place. Oh, it's about making dresses and there's like jewelry involved and it's a ballroom gown. I was like, nope, not for me. <laughs> I am here one. to play. <laughs> Yeah, I'm here to play two games. I'm here to play Settlers of Catan, Large and Floor Edition, because, you know, I was a pretty new gamer still. And I was there to play. Yeah, and I was there to play the other game I was obsessed with um, was was Munchkin. And so so I was there to meet... Yeah, and I was there to meet the, the growth of Isaac. Uh, absolutely, right? Oh, it's such <laughs> it's such a big difference. But like Munchkin was that perfect you know party game for us at the time. Played it, loved it. Got to meet John Kovalik. Nice. Had him do an original piece of art for me on this big wooden box that had all my Munchkin stuff. It was it was a cool moment. Like, but but I remember seeing that artwork and thinking like, ah, this isn't for me. Right. Fast forward to 2020, and Rococo Deluxe Edition shows up on my doorstep. And I go, oh, what is this about? Making ballroom? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did want to play this. Okay, get it on the table. There's two guys that I've been kind of intermittently playing with this year that are good friends. We're all kind of, you know, like, well, we'll get together and play outside some or, you know, not play too much. But I told both of them, hey, we're going to play this game. Okay, what's it about? We're making dresses in the Victorian era and we're sending them to a ballroom. They're like, nope, not interested. I'm like, no, no, trust me, guys. You're going to love this. And uh, man, they loved it. The game is beautiful. The game is a table hog. I'm looking at my giant collection of boxes right now to my left, and it is probably second biggest box over here that isn't Tidal Blades. It is a a large box with a lot of good stuff in it. They made the uh, silk and thread minis that just uh the components look amazing the artwork by ian o'toole is is just outstanding 
when you play this game, if you've never had a chance to play it, it's all in this box. All the expansions, all the stuff that they've released for it over the years, it's all here. You don't have to overpay it for a game that was you know, obviously tough to find before they re-released it here. But Rococo Deluxe Edition is a beautiful big game that just plays very smoothly as you're trying to make these dresses you're selling them to people who are wearing them in the ball you're also trying to establish positions in these different ballrooms for area control it's definitely was was my very close to number one i slid it in at number two for my 2020 pick here i kind of want to know more about this game i was kind of like you i saw the game and and i um i listened to the the, or watched i guess the married with board games podcast and youtube channel and lara was obsessed with this game she loved it that that was it though like they never did like a playthrough or anything like that and i was like well whatever and just hearing you talk about it like this i I gotta admit it makes me curious so (laughs) i just i want to play it all the time like it's (laughs) it is the game that i want to get out and just set it up one because it looks beautiful and just set it out but there's just there's this pressure and movement and every good game to me has i want to do you know these 100 things but i can only do 80 of them and every time i play it i can try a different route but i can still only maybe get to 81 or 82 i can never quite get to 100 Right. And no matter which route you choose in this game and there's different angles to come at it, um, you have a chance to stay in the game. And there's something about the card handling in this that's very similar to Concordia. There's that hand management where the card you're playing affects the action you take. And as you play these three cards each round, they go into a discard pile that if you're getting too many good cards, you might not see those cards back for another two, three, four rounds. Mm. But if you keep your hand small, you'll you'll have a better chance at playing them. It's just it, not only that the actions that you're doing on the board, but that hand management adds a, a really neat aspect to. And, and like my number one pick will be, I love games that have a primary action. And if you're doing really well, there's also a secondary action that you can you know kind of build off of similar to like ryan you're talking about with um with pipeline right if you just straight up play pipeline and only take the primary actions you're probably going to lose you need to learn how to manage both those primaries and secondary actions well and this game really wants you to do that that must be part of why you like fort as well oh yeah oh for sure yeah yeah right the building those uh abilities to to kind of you know chain your actions Yeah, absolutely. Because it le- you know it lends for this game is easy, but if you really want to get into the weeds, there's a lot of choices you can make as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, wow, here we are. We've got our number ones to go. But before we get into that, let's talk about something a little bit different. We've been getting pivot. into gradually like games that we're more and more excited about and we're talking about more and more because we love them so much. We're going to pivot this. We're going to talk about our biggest disappointments of the year. Mm. This doesn't mean a bad game. This means it could mean uh, a bad game. It yeah. could but, mean a bad game, but, but it doesn't it necessarily. Doesn't. It doesn't for us. For us, this disappointment was really a reflection of how ridiculously high our expectations were, <laughs> like unfairly <laughs> that's, so. That's a good way to put it. And what we got out of the box, and for us, that game was Mariposas. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Wingspan's amazing. Tussie Mussy is excellent. We really enjoy both of those. And not only do we enjoy both of those, but they're very different games that are both really, really well done. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, we pre-ordered Mariposas. We were super excited to get it. We got the phone call from the FLGS, ran out. We got it. We played it that weekend and we we're like, eh, 
It was fine. It's fine. We're, I like as soon as we finished, I looked at nature. I was like, we're gonna need to play this again because I don't. I don't really know where this was. Like Isaac, you mentioned that thing where it's like there's a, you want to do a hundred things, you can only get to eighty. Mariposis, I feel like I can only get to like twenty five. It was so unfulfilling. I think for us that it was just really really mm-hmm. disappointing. Again, I want to play it more. I'm almost thankful that I don't have to review it because we bought it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You know you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, that that was that was it for us and I mean, you know, I hope we don't like take a shellacking in the community or anything, but um, We love you Elizabeth Hargrave. Yes. Mariposa is still How many a good plays game. in are yeah. you for it? Just two now. It just yeah. it just even the second time it was like it's like okay, we understand. Yeah, I mean, a it was more. just it was so hard to get any kind of momentum going in that game both times that it was like you know we'll we'll get to it and we'll play it more. I'm sure. Yeah, I've played it twice. Um, again, it was a friend that got it, and we played it early on and um in the summer, and I really liked it. I have not gotten back to it, partly because of what you just said. It's a game that's on my. I wouldn't mind having this, but it's not sitting on my stack of you know x amount of games I need to review. So. Uh, it's on my Christmas list, but it, it's interesting that you mentioned that aspect of that one or two times of feeling just stuck. That first time we played Pan Am, I felt like, are you kidding me? I can't do anything in this game. Did, did you like, play it at four players? I, we played it at three the first time, and oh, I yeah. just felt so stuck. And yeah. then we played it at gotcha. four the second time, and I'm like, I can't. I still can't do anything. And it wasn't until I started getting the rhythm of the game and really understanding when to push my figures ahead and, you know, and, and seeing what the game wanted me to do, right. That I felt like I had a better mm-hmm. handle of that, but I totally see where you're coming from with that being. And I, that's why I kept going back to Pan Am. Cause I'm like, everybody keeps saying this is good. I think this is probably good. I'm just missing something in my play. And I wonder if, you know, with, with Mariposas, if there's a piece of that too, right? Well, you know, and, and I didn't hear a lot of people screaming and yelling about how amazing the game was. And and I think that if I had, we probably would have been more driven to get the game out and play it more. Right. Like there was a lot of excitement. The game's coming out and then it came out and, and, and that was it. Then there wasn't much and after there that. And yes. I mean, that happens with games, right? There's the yeah. whole cult of the new yeah. and all this stuff. And I get that. But those really, truly excellent games like your Wingspan, like your Pan Ams, they, they yeah. have longer tails on them. People keep talking about them because people keep they're having so or, much fun with them. Or, you yeah. know, people didn't buy yeah. it in the first wave, so they pick it up on the second because the people who did get it in the first talked about it. And kind of, and there was just none of that kind of cyclical news cycle on Mariposas was there. And so that's kind of where, where it landed for us. We'll play mm. it more for sure. I've got a personal goal of culling somewhere between – 20 and 50 games before the end of the year and Mariposas <laughs> is not on that uh, list but yeah she's nature's laughing at me <laughs> you're gonna pick one per day yeah, to call. You know, it's the same same laugh that aaron gives me <laughs> when i'm like i'm gonna get rid of 20 games yeah. no i'm not 10 maybe I'd, i'm gonna put them in a pile and then forget about them and then they're gonna go back yeah, on the shelf yeah that's what i did this week <laughs> i got rid of two though so that's good <laughs> it's the same with the zero <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway so that was our our disappointment this this year was mariposas Okay. My disappointment has to be, uh, so in 2019, at Origins 2019, we, I saw a game called Nevada City, and uh, I got super excited because it was worker placement. It was farming, economics, city building. It was uh, a Western theme, which is weird because I'm not 
I wouldn't say that I like Western stuff, but somehow I have an entire corner built out of just Western themed games, which is really odd because I didn't plan on collecting those. And I couldn't find where to play Nevada City. And then one day I stumbled upon the designer, Alan Ernstein. And he had the one copy of Nevada City, which was a production copy, from what I understand. We played with him, and uh, it was a game that exists. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I never looked back at that game. <laughs> okay. But it was released this year. <laughs> so, yep. It's, it's a game. Yeah, it's, it, it, is, it is a game, it sounds like. <laughs> Did anybody else no. play that? I have not. No, it's. Okay. I was running around well, like a maniac at Origins 2019. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So it was. Uh, I played this. I think I played it with Aaron and Rick or Aaron and Bob. It, man, I struggled to enjoy parts of it because I, as I'm playing, I'm like, oh, well, this game does this part better. This game does I this hate part that better. Feeling. This game. And. Yeah. It's so, it was so hard to enjoy it for what it was because I felt like it was a lot of parts that didn't work well Mm -hmm. together. And it was released this year. It was released in 2020. And I actually, I did look at it. I can't remember when it was released, but I remember knowing that it was coming out and I was like, yeah, I don't know that I could play it again. So that was Nevada City. It's a game. game. Yep. Quote. Speak, speaking of a game that is just a game, I got this. Um, wasn't on my radar. Wasn't something I was looking for. However, the box art alone, when it showed up on the porch, I was like, okay, all right. I like to think I have a green thumb. I like plants. Maybe this game succulent will be a fun game. I knew you were going to say those <laughs> words. Oh, so, no. so su- succulent is a game. It is an abstract game so i thought right there okay my wife's gonna and i will preface that i told my wife i asked her what game uh i kind of went through lists of some of the 2020s and i said like what game is your favorite from this year she said calico was her favorite and uh my number six sorcerer city was also on her top list and i said well what of these games we've all played which ones do you not like and i start going through the list and she's like i don't know like you know this was okay and that was okay i'm like okay well mine is going to be succulent and she said why i I mean that was kind of fun i'm like there's the kick it was kind of fun there are too many good games that i can be playing and kind of fun isn't gonna do it this game is visibly on the table okay i'm sorry on the box cover a beautiful box cover when you put it on the table if you guys haven't played this you start with these face down giant tiles that are like gray stone and they're just ugly and that's what you're mostly looking at for the whole game you're slowly adding these little succulent garden pieces that are like one two or three squares but it's a slow build to that the cards that you're vying for are not that pretty either. There's there's kind of a splendor feel to this as you're trying to like save up the right things to buy these point cards that award you more things that you can build up your little succulent garden. But it was similar to what Ryan was saying. It was a game that was like, well, but but splendor does that better, right? Like, mm. or there's this there's almost like a there's parts of it that kind of have a Sagrada feel to it. It's like, well, but. I'd rather play Sagrada or role player at this point. So there's too many pieces of it that were not 
just jamming and gelling right. But for me, visibly, it just it just didn't look good. It was very bland for a game that, uh, frankly, for the thing we're talking about for succulents, should have been a lot prettier. And I just I just didn't think it was. And so, succulent was my visible to the cover disappointment once we actually got into playing and I gave this one a chance like I I just looked we played this six times like I like my wife enjoys it which is why it hit the table a little more often and we introduced it to you know we played with the kids we played with our friends we played it uh, just the two of us a couple times like I gave it a shot and I if she said hey I want to play succulent tonight I would get it off the shelf I had it actually in my stack of games I was hoping to get rid of here but after talking to her tonight it went back on the <laughs> on the calyx so uh, but you know if she said she wanted to play it sure I'd play it but I'm not it's again what you said it's not that it's the worst game I played this year it just was more of a like, eh, this was okay. Mm, sure. Yeah, I've heard good things about that. So it's interesting to hear kind of the, the it's okay. And you said something else that you know, I'm going to reiterate because I think it's so important. It's no longer enough for something to just be okay or to even be halfway decent, right? Like board game creators have raised the bar so much over the last three to four years. Like, it's just, I mean, games to to rise above have to be truly excellent. And I mean, that's exciting for board games in general. But yeah, it does mean that it's a whole lot harder to stand out, right? Oh, for sure. And this one is that game that, you know, probably four, five, six years ago would have been sitting on the, the shelf, you know, at Rio Grande or at, you know, at uh, right next to some of the releases at the time and, and probably would have been pretty darn popular. Right. But you know, at the point right now, it's kind of a, eh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I hear that. All right. It's time. All right. It's time. It's time for time our for number, the number ones. One. Here we go. So, um, <laughs> comedy time. Our number one is Pan Am. Uh, hey! <laughs> which is why. I've heard about this one. Yeah, we've heard about this game. Uh, it's it's one of the reasons why, why we were kind of quiet before. We were like, yep, yeah, we agree with you. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. yep uh-huh. Well, so I wanted to save this moment to, to ask you guys. If you've tried it at all three different player counts, two players, three players, and yes. four players. Because yes. I have to say- I've actually only two and three. I actually haven't played it at four so players it's, yet. So we've played many times at it's two It's super and three. weird to me how quickly the feel of the game changes at each of the different player counts. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, it's the thing that for me, like really, really elevates this game is- it's a completely different game at all three player counts. It's I'm, completely, completely different. I'm going to say that personally, I would prefer to play either at two or four and not so oh, much yeah. at three. Three well, is ruthless. Because th- at three, yeah. so at two players, everybody has five engineers. At three players, everybody has four. And at four players, everybody has three. Do you have, do you have three? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's just three. Yeah. So it's 10 and then 12, 12 and, and 12. then 12. But by the time you get to four players after a round or two, you kind of need to get into it. The strategies become divergent enough that it's fine that you have that many well, engineers. You, there's not a lot of spots to take at four players, but also everybody has so few engineers to use that everybody is being super careful and intentional about where they place their guys. Whereas with three players, it's easy to just be like, oh, I put my guy there. I don't really care that much, but it blocked you. <laughs> 
Yeah, and at two, you're just like, ah, I guess I'll take that move too. Sure, yeah, why not? At two players, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a laid back, chill experience. You're just kind of like, hey, this it is, is fun. Da da da. You're doing all this stuff, and then once those player counts go up, it just the game gets tighter and tighter and tighter, and just plays totally different. And it's just in that way, it's a it's a masterpiece. And you know, I agree with yeah. everything you said before about just the look and the feel of the game is tremendous. We could play it with our kids. We could play it with our friends. I know that we personally, because of our personal recommendations, have sold at least six copies of this game because we won't <laughs> stop talking about how great it is. Uh, like awesome. Everybody in my local friends group, every single one of us has a copy. Of the has game. bought their own copy now. <laughs> nice. Uh, we just, it's just, it's so good. It's so, so, so good. And it's cheap. And it's at Target. It's $30 at Target. Mm-hmm. I mean... That level of gameplay at that price point, at that availability, is you can't get that anywhere else. In fact, as we turn it over to Ryan, I'm going to say that all of those features make it unmatched. Uh... I like what you did there. Unmatched Cobble and Fog is by and far the best, the best set in the unmatched world unmatched is a series that uh when we were at origins at the time when it was pre-release they were demoing it and i cared not a thing about unmatched couldn't give two flips about it like (laughs) i I just tried to sell me on it the idea of it didn't even excite me for a minute and i was like whatever so i passed by it multiple times didn't even look in that general direction (laughs) you know i was i was at the restoration booth and talking to the guys and didn't care to even stand around to watch it being played we got a copy of volume one and fell in love with it unmatched is the game that aaron and i play the most we've got at least 40 plays under our belt this year of unmatched we started a thing called friday night fights on our youtube and facebook channels that started as a result of the pandemic and aaron and i wanting to spend some time together and also create streaming content it is the number one watch thing on our channel by far (laughs) um people it's a little annoying because if we don't do an un- uh, Friday night fight two weeks in a row, I actually get notes on all of my uh, YouTube videos. When's awesome. the next Friday night fight? Why didn't you record this week? Hey, can you do this one next week? Why? Where were you guys this week? It's nice, wow. but it's also like, golly, guys. The whole month of October, we just didn't do it on Friday nights because we were doing very, very small game nights where we had a couple over and we played games with them, just trying to have social time. Unmatched Cobble and Fox, fantastic. Every one of the fighters, top notch. It is the way that you should enter into the unmatched universe, getting that set, playing with those fighters. It is so good. And so Unmatched Cobble and Fog. Number one game of 2020, unmatched as a system, is seriously, I've got everything but Bruce Lee. I will continue to collect this until whenever. Yeah, I think this is a, right there with you. Have you played with yeah. Bruce Lee, by the way? I haven't. Oh. I, I didn't. It's kind of like the whole reason why I didn't look at the game in the first place. I really don't care that much about the character. Oh, but, you know? but his, his mechanics are so cool because... Really? Do you know anything about how he works? 
Very, very little. He's he's very much death by a thousand punches kind of thing, um, whatever the saying is. A thousand cuts? A thousand cuts, yes. Gotcha. You, because what his attacks allow you to do is draw a card and take another action. And so yeah. it's like, oh, I only dealt one or two you know, hit point worth of damage, but then I hit you again, and then I hit you again, and eventually you have no defense left. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I just keep hitting you. And it's just – it's such a – like if you know how to play Bruce Lee, it's so fun even to get – the yeah. crap kicked out of you by Bruce Lee because you're just watching the mechanics yep. of the deck play out and it's just it's just kind of hilarious and also awesome at the same time. Nice. It's it's just it's really fun to play against it well it's it's frustrating to play against him but kind of if you know what's going on um, you can have a really good time. I played as Robin Hood against Bruce Lee, and I pretty much I just kept Very running cool. away and shooting at him. <laughs> because yeah, if he got yeah. close, it was over, you know? Um, oh, yeah, definitely. But That's it's such cool. a cool analog to like who Bruce Lee was as an actor and, and yep. you know, the movies that he was in. It's a really fun character to play. That's awesome. Yeah, Unmatched Goblin Fog, number one. All, right. All day. I need to play some Unmatched. I have uh, I've not played it. Wow. Highly hold on, hold on, hold on. What'd you say? <laughs> so here, here's you a haven't reasons. played it. Here, here's a couple reasons why. One, my what my wife's happening? least my wife's least favorite type of game, and she is my number one playing partner. Right, her least favorite is anything that is combat related. Anything that's like me versus you, mm-hmm. she's not a fan, especially when it's two player. Like when it's sure. a, you know, a combat gotcha. back and forth, this game, you know, the more I looked into it, I was like, ah, my son and I would play it, but there's like a hundred thousand games in my house that my son and I will play. And, and this is what I'm curious too. Have you, did you guys grow up playing or have you played Epic Duels, Star Wars Epic Duels? No, uh, no, not at all. Because I knew it existed, but because, I never because played that's it. the, the idea is that this is kind of the better version of that, right? Yeah. Cause it's the same, yeah. it's uh Davio design again. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Epic duels I played when I was younger, I actually managed to find a copy at a garage sale years ago and, and I really enjoy that game. Um, have not dug it out. It's more, it's kind of on a shelf as like a, you know, my mini Queens gambit, right? Like I want to take yeah. care of this game, but, um, but I, I do enjoy that, so I'm interested to see what this does. And I, I loved that because the characters were so cool in that game and the situations, and be able to play like, oh, I'm gonna put, you know, Boba Fett and Chewbacca together and and watch, you know, mm-hmm. watch what happens here. So it was a cool, cool aspect of that. So I do look forward to trying this one out. It's just one of those that uh, has not unmatched. Hit my... Unmatched. I mean, no matter who I play as, whether I'm. Raptors or InGen or Alice or Bigfoot, no matter who I play as, I enjoy the character for what it is because each deck is so specific to that character. Yeah, it's like, so well tailored. It yes. just feels like it fits and it makes sense yes. with the mechanics of how each character can attack or not yeah. attack, as the case may be. The amount of craft that goes into each of these characters, I admire Restoration Games for the amount of playtime, the amount of playtesting that goes in from the community. I mean, they, they're they doing the right thing. I mean, even, uh, you know, one thing that I get a little annoyed with, but I understand it, is the minute a new set is announced, five minutes later, somebody is saying, well, what's the next release after that? And I'm like, guys, Restoration is doing such a fantastic job. <laughs> like, think about what was released this year. Okay. Jurassic Park. 
all right? The two-pack. Yep. Um, we had Cobble and Fog. We had Buffy the Vampire Slayer that mm-hmm. just got released. We have another two-pack that's coming out before Christmas if you pre-order right now. That's incredible. The amount of content they've put out for this one fighting system, and you're asking, you have the gall to ask again, <laughs> like, what else you got back there? You know, man, I don't know. I, I, I have a lot of respect for restoration. And, and, and uh, by the unmatched. way, they're working Oof. on a gigantically huge game in Return of Dark Tower as well. Yeah, exactly. It's not like they're doing, uh, it's not like this is all they're doing. You know, this is on top of all their other projects. Right. Well, definitely on my list. I will, especially after sitting here tonight, it needs to be higher <laughs> up on my list. So it might might move ahead of Mary Posts on my list. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, <laughs> As we all browbeat you and being like, right. come on, right. play the game. Um, all right. So that leaves me for the, the last of the of the number ones here. So my uh, my number one is it is not a family game (laughs) this is a game i play with my gaming gamer friends my wife would um she'd probably like it and she hasn't tried it she has any interest in it my son would definitely try to play it up to this one the heaviest game i had ever played was um splatters uh food chain magnate and and i love food chain I love the aspects of that, but this game took it to that next level of of just complexity, and that is Eagle Griffin Games on Mars. On Mars from Lacerda with art by Ian O'Toole. Up to this point, I had played a couple different Lacerda games, um, but like any of his games, you really need to get in the weeds with the game and play it a bunch of times to get a feel for it. Uh, there's a couple of things that make On Mars stand out for me. One is the theme. The, the 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 game truly feels like we are out here out on mars uh, the first player is it determines first player based on whoever has recently seen the matt damon mars movie <laughs> the Martian. Which, by the way is excellent Mar- yeah that determines first player for the game and so like you're you know you're colonizing mars and we've got a colony on mars and we've got the space station out and there's two sides of this board and every round you're traveling in the rocket from the space station to the mars surface station to mars and you can do completely different things in each of those areas and you have workers that you're signing out to do jobs there's only like five or six things in each place that you can do so really fundamentally and i think it was um i can't remember i saw this somewhere but they were talking about how with a lacerda game there's only like five or six different actions it's all of the secondary things that really like make the game sing in complexity and i can explain this game and sit down and teach it to somebody probably in like 15 20 minutes but when you start having to realize the decisions you got to make in this game that's where the complexity kicks in and you're trying to decide what actions do I take here? And if I leave to go to Mars, will my workers stay over on the colony? It's not until I go back over to the ship that I get my workers back. So there's this movement of I've got to go back and forth to get my workers to gain more. There's a, 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 um, just an intensity of, of trying to build this colony and then push this game further and further. Um, as you move through the phases, like I said, there's a primary action and then you unlock more and more secondary actions that interact so well with the other players on the board uh, based on what they're doing and what you're doing and kind of tandemly working um, along with their strengths. A lot of moving parts in this game. I would say probably the first six or seven times I played this, 
Um, we were constantly like, oh, yeah, last time we did this wrong. Or, you know, just trying to, a game like this, there's so much going on that it really takes time to, to get a good feel for um, all the details of it. Uh, but I highly recommend it if you're looking to get into a Lacerda game and do a heavier game and you like the space idea theme, this one is is right there for you. So this is my number one of the years on Mars from Eagle Griffin Games. I still want the Gallerist so bad. I love that game. It's a, it's a game I think about constantly. Also a good one. And uh, I still need to get that game. So I, now I want to try on Mars. Great. <laughs> Thanks. For me, You're it's welcome, like sir. I would have such a paradigm shift from all the stuff that I'm playing on a daily basis to something that's Oh, heavy. for sure. It would, it would just bludgeon me across the face. You know? <laughs> and I like heavier stuff. I mean, I, I define Zolkin as a heavier game. <clears throat> you can put that wherever you want. On the, I know it's it's not quite as heavy as something like Food Chain Magnate, but I've got some friends in town that are really big Splatter fans, and we've been trying to get together and, and play something. Like, no, no, we're, we're going we're gonna to schedule for both lunch and dinner in this one but it's just a pandemic and it's just been really hard to get together and get get all that uh, actually working but yeah i, I agree with you on the gallerist uh, that's a game that i've kind of had my eye on and, and kind of thought to me like there's i'll never buy it because it'll never get played in my house but i'd love to play it yeah yeah the only thing that makes me nervous about on mars is because i've got a new and shrink copy of first martians and so like that, that mars theme i'm just like oh i want to stay away from it <laughs> well i've i've explained to andrew in the past i love reading science fiction but sci-fi space themed games have just repeatedly fallen flat with me and i think it's because they're missing some of that human element that i find in in the fiction that I read. And that seems to be present in games that are less fantastical. I don't know. This one, the the space theme is definitely there. I wouldn't say it's a heavily driven space storyline, but I'm lucky and blessed to be able to have a family that plays games. I'm lucky and blessed to have a couple of different game groups when things are normal that I get to play with once or twice a week. And there's a couple of guys I play with that like they're roll up their sleeves. Let's play something heavy. And when we're playing a game like this, that's the group I'm playing this with. Cause frankly, this isn't a game I want to teach new people every week at a game group, how to play it. Cause it's going to take five hours with people who are, you know, AP prone or, you know, really struggle with some of that. But you get into a group where, you know, you got a group of guys or gals or whoever that enjoy a heavy game and you get a couple of rhythms to that. You start to learn how to play off of each other. And, and it's just, it's, it's a cool thing. And I, I know I'm lucky to, to have that. And I think that's why this game sits there. If I was five years ago, mainly just playing with, you know, my preteen kids and my wife, this game would, this wouldn't even be on my shelf right now. Right. So it's, uh, it's there for a reason. Uh, you know, it, it hit at the right time for me to be able to get it in. That makes a lot of sense. Very cool. Perfect. perfect. These are some solid lists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I actually really like the variety knowing, and I knew from the beginning we were kind of coming at these things from slightly different angles. And so there wouldn't be a ton of overlap. I'm actually, a li- yeah. I, I don't know if I'm surprised that Pan Am is on all of our lists. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great game. I think it speaks to all the boxes that it checks. It's a worker placement game, but it's heavy and light at the same time. There's this stock buying mechanic. There's this management of how many planes are in your on your board, and there's so many things that are going so well for Pan Am, and uh, I'm glad that it's on all of our lists. I think we're going to see it on a ton of other lists this so. year. I think so. I think yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, you know, I remember when I went to 
New York Toy Fair, I went with the folks at Engage Family Gaming, and they had an appointment with Funko, and I did not. And so when we did our kind of post-mortem after that, they were like, this game's coming out. It's called Pan Am. It looks awesome. I didn't get a chance to play it, but I saw it, and it looks so good, and you're going to love it. I'm like, uh, okay. Sure. And then I did. (laughs) (laughs) And consequently, it's our number one game of the year, so... Yeah, good choices, all everybody. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you so much for uh, for getting together and doing this little roundtable thing. Thank you for the invite. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So let's go around the horn. Ryan, where can people find you on the internets? Yeah, check us out at oneboardfamily.com. You can follow us on all the social media sites at one board family that's b-o-a-r-d one board family all right sweet and don't forget to uh, harass him about not playing unmatched on friday nights oh yeah you can find our youtube channel uh unmatched uh uh please so two things two quick things if you could not tell us what rule we got wrong or that we didn't use our <laughs> special ability hey listen it's, it's a friday night it's the end of the week we're doing our best we're raising three kids we both got jobs just chill, okay? <laughs> if I forgot to use Dracula's ability, maybe it's because my brain's too full, you know? So just give us a break, and you don't have to comment because I already saw it, and I already beat myself up over it. So just enjoy the video, and if you don't like it, don't subscribe. <laughs> anyway. All right. Woo. Tell it like Friday it Night yeah. Fights. Some Fridays. Not, no, all this, Fridays, not all Fridays, but some. A little more fight in the Fridays, it sounds like. It sounds like. It's Absolutely. <laughs> I get a little testy about that. I, every once in a while, I'll get a, I'll get a comment. Oh, you forgot to use uh, the the ability here in the in the 14 minutes and 32 seconds. And, uh, and I, I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I was the one who lost, you know? <laughs> I feel bad for myself. Like, you don't have to point it out. Because you didn't use the ability. Did not have to feel the agony yeah. of defeat, friend. Good job. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Isaac, where can people find you? Uh, we are over at gamingwithsidekicks.com. Uh, you can find us, like Ryan said, on all of the socials. Um, we're pretty active on Instagram. Over on Facebook, we have a Game With Sidekicks board game community page. On the Twitter, as well as YouTube as well. Podcasting, we do intermittently at best. Um, we're trying to get a little better with everybody's kids and schedules. Always presents a challenge, but it's fun to be on this one and be able to uh, put our like minds together and see what we came up with here. All right. Awesome. And of course, you can find us uh, on all the places at Family Gamers AA, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook community. You can go to thefamilygamers.com forward slash community. Uh, and that's where you can find our stuff. So come on, check us out, join the community, talk about board games that are awesome, and we'll have a good time. Excellent. Thanks again for having us. All right. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks to you guys, and uh, really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be in touch for sure. Thanks. Have a good one. All right. All right. Bye, guys. Well, take care. <laughs>